Amen. Amen. For some reason, I feel like we have got a proactive church in this place today. For some reason, I feel like I don't have to say, if, I, if you believe that, say amen. You're just going to say amen anyways uh, because you are proactive in this place. And we are excited to get into the word of God today. Would you please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're wondering where Ephesians is, it's in your New Testament, second half of your Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at 16 verses today. And how many of you guys know that when you read the word of God, uh, whether it's a short passage or a long passage, you want to read it concentrating. You want to read it carefully, and that's what we're going to do together right now. Uh, Since we love reading the Word of God, I'm going to give you 16 verses, and I want you to read verse 16 just as loudly as you read verse 1. Is that all right? Is that good? Okay. And so we're going to read this passage together. We're going to learn a number of things from this passage together that you can take home with you. Uh, Let's read out loud in a big, loud voice. uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, starting there. Let's read in a big, loud voice. Help me preach in this place this morning. Let's say, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all but to each one of us grace has been given as christ apportioned it this is why it says when he ascended on high he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does the work. Come on, give God a big hand and give yourselves a big hand as well. 16 verses that we're going to get into this morning, and let me go right into it today. Today, the message I'm here to share with you is called, It's Part of the Calling. It's part of the calling. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's part of the calling. And see, today I want to talk to you about your calling. Everyone say, my calling. Is that you have a calling from God. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, the fact is, you have a calling from God. What is a calling? A calling is an invitation from God to live your life for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. A calling is an invitation from God for you to live your life, not just for yourself and your happiness, your comfort, your agenda, your own dreams, but it's a calling, an invitation from God to live your life for his purposes, for a purpose that's bigger than you. Turn your neighbor and say, you have a calling. You have a calling. And today, I want to talk about two extremely important aspects of this calling that you have from God. And this is the thing. These two aspects of this calling are often unappreciated. 
you often don't hear about them that much. But they are so important to your calling that if you miss these two aspects of your calling, you will miss the purpose of your life. You will miss the reason why God placed you on this earth. We're talking about that today. It's called, it's part of the calling. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 with me. Here we've got Paul. Everyone say Paul. Paul, he's an apostle. He's a church planter. He used to be an enemy of the church. He used to be the most anti-Christian in the world. But then something happened in his life where he experienced Jesus personally. His life is turned around, and he begins to go from place to place, planting Christian congregations, planting churches in all different places. One of the places is a city called Ephesus. Everyone say Ephesus. And so there's a growing church in Ephesus that he's helped to plant. But now Paul is in Rome. He's in the city of Rome. He is in prison there. And now because he misses his church so much, he's got things he wants to tell his church in Ephesus. He's starting to write a letter. And this letter has become the book of Ephesians in your Bible today. Today I want to look at verse 1. And we're going to break that down a little bit. And we're going to look at all the other verses today. And you're going to learn something powerful in this place. Look at verse 1 one more time with me and read in a loud voice. What does it say? It says, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. If you have your Bibles in front of you, would you underline these words, the calling you have received? The fact is, you have a calling from God. Like I said, a calling is an invitation from God to live your life for a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And here at Thrive Church, we describe the calling that you have received from God using five letters. If you know those five letters, say them with me. Those five letters are A-E-I-O-U. And in fact, I want to show you the vision statement of our church. We believe so much that God has a calling on our lives. And we believe so much that this is our calling, that we've actually made it our vision statement. And if you know it by heart, would you say, with me. If you don't know, could you read it with me on the screen? This is a statement. This is an expression of God's calling on your life. Read it with me together. One, two, three. It says, at Thrive Church, we exist for five purposes, which we call A-E-I-O-U. A stands for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus. U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family. And our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEIO leaders in the city of Vancouver. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place together right now. That is our dream as a church. That is what we believe is our calling as a church. But can I tell you this? It's not just our calling as a church family. This is your calling as well, to be alive and to worship Jesus to be expecting to grow more like him, to be involved and serve God with your talents, to be out loud and lead others to Jesus, to be united and to love your spiritual family. That is your calling in life. Turn to your neighbor and say, that is your calling. Turn to someone else and say, that's my calling too. See, this, no matter what you may do in life, you might be a mom, you might be a, a, a boss at work, you might be a teacher, you might be a student, every single one of us has the same general calling from God. That's why Paul, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, all of you, you, have, you want to live your life worthy of the calling, singular, that you've received from God. It's the same calling. Everyone say, it's the same calling. We are all called to worship Jesus. We are all called to grow more like him. We are all called to serve him. We are all called to lead others to him. We are all called to love his church. If you believe that, say amen. 
Amen. That's why we're here. You guys can be even more proactive, church. Even more proactive. Here's the thing. Is that though we all have the same general calling, the fact is this. How we express that calling is going to vary from person to person. How we express that calling, in part, is going to vary depending on the gifts that God has given to us. How we express that calling will, in part, depend on some of the experiences that we go through. How we express that calling will depend a little bit on the roles that we play from season to season. Let me give you an example. For example, right now, I express the calling, the A. E-I-O-U calling on my life primarily through three main roles in my life right now. Number one, I'm a husband to a beautiful girl called Charlene. All right. I am a father to two really cool sons called Bradley and Caleb. And I'm a member and a pastor of an amazing church called Thrive Church. All right. Those are the three, for me, when I think about, you know, the roles that I play right now, those are the three, those are the big three for me. I've got other roles. I'm a, I'm a brother. I'm a friend, I'm a son, I've got other roles in life, but those for me are the top three. And see, for as long as I'm a husband to Charlene, for as long as she and I are married, my calling is to be A-E-I-O-U. My calling is to worship Jesus. My calling is to grow more like him. My calling is to serve God with my talents. My calling is to lead others to Jesus. My calling is to love my spiritual family. And when I live out that calling in the context of my marriage to Charlene, my marriage is blessed as well. And, you know, as long as I'm a dad to Bradley and Caleb, my calling is to be expectant, to grow like Jesus. It's to teach them about Jesus. You know, as long as I'm a pastor here at Thrive, my calling is to lead the people here at Thrive to live out their destiny to be A-E-I-O-U. See, the fact is, our roles in life, your role in life, may change from time to time. Because, you know, the fact is this, I wasn't always married. Was I always married? No. Uh, you know, uh, 16 years ago, I was a very eligible bachelor in the city of Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I was. I was. That was last century. But that was, you know, that was, that was pretty much my day. That was my, that was my role back then. It was to be a very eligible bachelor. That was, that, that was my role. Uh, another one was this. I, I, was, I was not always a father. I was, o- I was only a father starting six years ago. There was a time when Charlene and I took care of creatures in our home, but they weren't children. Uh, in fact, they weren't even alive. They were stuffed animals. That's, that, that, that was the close we got to being parents at that time. But our roles have changed. So you're going to find this over time, over, you know, over the years. You may, you may learn some new roles. You may you know, lose a few roles. But the calling remains the same. Is that through all the different seasons of your life, through all the different roles that you may assume and relinquish, your calling remains the same. You were made to be A-E-I-O-U. No matter how old you get, you will always be called to be alive, expectant, involved, out loud, and united for Jesus. It's all about him. So, and, and so that's not just me. That's for you as well. In other words, you are, if you're students in this place, you are not just a student who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who so happens to be a student right now. You're not just someone working in the marketplace who happens to be a Christian. You are a Christian who just happens to be working in the marketplace. That is your role right now, and your calling is that as long as you are that student at UBC, as long as you're going to high school at that school, as long as you are a parent to that child, as long as you are working in that company, that your calling is to live your life, A-E-I-O-U, unto the glory of God. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. We're talking about your calling. Everyone say, my calling. My calling, turn to everyone and say, my calling is to be A-E-I-O-U. Amen, amen. And see, since you have a calling from God, let me ask you this question. How do you do, verse 1? How do you, as verse 1 says, live a life 
that is worthy of the calling you've received from God. See, that, that sounds like a very general statement, doesn't it? It just sounds like kind of abstract. How do you live a life that is worthy of the calling you've received? Let me kind of break that down in two ways for you today. See, there are two parts to living a life worthy of the calling you've received that Paul talks about today. The first one is this. Write this down. Recognize that part of your calling from God involves going through hardship. This is something that we don't always like to talk about. You know, as the Thrive Church, we like to say, oh, the best is yet to come. And we like to say that all the time, and we believe that 100%. But the fact is, part of your calling in life is to go through hardship. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's that there is a part of life that is just going to have trouble, whether we like it or not. For example, look at Paul. Paul, he is in prison while he's writing this letter to his church in Ephesus. And despite being in prison, as with so many of Paul's what they call prison letters, where he's in prison and writing to different churches he started, when you read the book of Ephesians, it is so full of joy. It's so full of encouragement. It's so full of thankfulness and blessing. He starts every one of his prison letters with thankfulness. Instead of complaining about his situation, instead of blaming others for his problems, instead he's in prison and he's still taking time to thank people, to encourage people, to bless people, and to build people up while in prison. And see, here's the thing. How is that possible? I believe a huge reason why Paul is able to do that is because Paul recognized that going through hardship is a part of his calling. It's a part of it. Turn around and say, it's part of the calling. Would you look at verse 1 again? What does it say? It says, as a prisoner for the Lord. If you have your pen in front of you, why don't you underline the words, for the Lord. As a prisoner for the Lord. Paul saw himself as a prisoner for the Lord. In the same way, you can see yourself as, I'm a mother for the Lord. Not saying that you are Jesus' mom, but you are being a mom for the glory of God. You are a student for the Lord. You are an employee for the Lord. You are a son for the Lord. It's because whatever we do, we're going to do it for the Lord. Lord, what's the lesson here? Is that when you see your hardship as part of God's calling, it helps you to face and overcome that hardship instead of just complaining about it. Amen. Amen. See, you know, let me give you an example in case you're wondering. One night this past month, this month has been extremely full. You know, we've had uh, like uh, five weeks, very intense weeks here at church as we get ready for the different things. We've had, you know, volunteers appreciation for a Sunday service team. We had, uh, you know, fasting and prayer. We had baptism. Uh, we had a conference. We had kickoff all in five weeks. It's been a very, very busy time. Of course, Charlene and I, we're also, you know, trying to take care of a newborn who's just two months old. It is a super busy time. We're not getting a whole lot of sleep right now. But the thing is this. Well, this past, this past month, there was one night when I was driving back home after a uh, very, very late night at work, and uh, I wasn't in a very good place emotionally. I just thought to myself, oh, things are so busy. Oh, like, uh, why, why do I have to deal with this problem? And why do I have to deal with this problem? You know, I was just not in a good place emotionally. Ever been in that place before? You're just kind of driving home and just kind of sulking and throwing at pity parts. Oh, life is so busy. I'm so tired. And you're just thinking to yourself these things. And uh, I was talking, I was thinking about all these unexpected problems that I was dealing with that I didn't expect I'd have to deal with and all that stuff. And, and it was one of those ones where I'm driving home. And, uh, uh, and, and I, I, I told the family, okay, I'm going to be back at a certain time. And I realized I had about maybe 20 minutes. And so, you know, what I did, I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull over to a park. And uh, I'm just going to spend that time just kind of talking to God about what's going on. Sometimes you need to do that. 
you know, sometimes you might be going through stuff and you can't, before you go home, you just have to maybe go and be with God a little bit first. And, and that's what happened for me. I, I, I went to a park because I did not want to take out my frustration on the people that I love the most. And maybe you've done that before as well, where, you know, you might be going through stuff outside in the world, but you don't deal with it in a healthy way. And so, you know, all your frustration spills out to the people that you love the most at home. Has that ever happened to you before? I didn't want that to happen. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm in the car. I pull over at a park. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my car. And I just start, you know, I, I start just talking to God about all these things that are going on. And then for just a minute, I do that. And then next minute, I'm just kind of silent before God. And I just kind of, I'm doing what we call the sit down, where I just sit down in God's presence. And as I ask God, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this situation? Holy Spirit, what do you think about this situation? And you know what he said to me in that moment? In that moment, I was, let me tell you what he didn't say to me that I was hoping he would say to me, all right? Let me tell you that first. You know what I was hoping that God would say to me at that moment? I was hoping that at that moment, there would be angels playing violin. I was hoping in that moment that heaven would open and then a light would shine and the voice of the Father would say, my son, JB, poor, poor JB. You are working so hard. And then, and, then, and then and all of a sudden, in one loud, unified voice, all of the multitudes in heaven all together go, aww. That's what I was expecting. That was what I was hoping for. But that's not what I heard. You know what I heard instead? Do you know what I heard instead? I'm, I'm sitting there in the car, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this situation? And you know what Holy Spirit said to me into my heart that morning or that, that night? You know what he said? It's these words. It's part of your calling. It's part of your calling. And you know what? For some reason, it was something where you would think, oh, that's kind of discouraging. Kind of like, you know, pick yourself up from your bootstraps, JB. Stop being a baby, JB. And, 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 but, but the thing was that when I heard those words, it's part of your calling. All of a sudden, there was a comfort that came with those words. All of a sudden, there was even a joy that came with those words because I realized something, which is that if the stuff that I'm going through, these things that I couldn't control, these problems that I didn't expect, that I don't have a solution for right now, if these things are part of my calling, what that means is that God's grace is sufficient for me. It means that God is here and he is going to give me everything I need to get through the season. If it's part of the calling, it means though it's not easy to go through, God's going to use it to make me stronger. That though it's, a, though, 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 though it's not easy to go through, I will accept it because it's part of the calling and believe that God's going to use it to write an even greater story in and through my life that I could not write myself. Tell your neighbor and say, it's part of the calling. And for some reason, when he said those words, all of a sudden, there was just a comfort there where I could go home and have dinner with my family and just joyfully have dinner with my family. And, and I didn't have to worry so much. And, and, and so, you, you know, you know, have you ever been in that, in that situation before where, you know, you, and maybe this happened to you this past week or this past season where you're just complaining a lot. You're just kind of thinking about all the things that are wrong with your life right now. And even there's a part of you that thinks to yourself, I don't deserve this. What do I do to deserve this? This is uncalled for, speaking of calling. It's uncalled for that I'm going through this right now. And there's that part of you that feels I'm entitled to something better. And see, here's the thing, is that I find this, is that the moment I start thinking that way, the moment I start throwing a pity party for myself, the moment I start to be like, oh, I don't deserve this, or, or this is uncalled for, that's the moment when bitterness discontentment and frustration really start to set into my life and poison my perspective and steal my joy. 
and, and I, maybe you've been in that place before, but when I know, and I'm only making myself unhappier by doing that, I'm only making it harder for me and harder for people around me by doing that, but I find this, is that when I know that what I'm going through is part of the calling, I can move forward, maybe a little bit tired, but happily. When I know it's part of the calling, I can have more patience to go through what I'm going through. When I know that it's part of the calling, I can focus now on a solution instead of just complaining about the existence of a problem. Does that make sense? You guys can respond a little bit more, church. Does that make sense? And see, here's the thing. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. It's part of the calling. You know, you know, Tim, uh, sorry, Paul will tell in another letter he writes to his disciple Timothy, who's another pastor. He says to them, endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ. In other words, it's part of the calling. Trouble and going through hardship, whether we like it or not, is part of the calling. Until the day we see Jesus face to face, it's going to be part of the calling. And here's the thing. You will go through trouble in life no matter what. But the question is, is it part of the calling or is it not? See, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Not all the trouble that you go through in life is necessarily part of the calling, all right? If you are suffering because you made a dumb choice yourself, maybe you didn't manage your time very well, or you, you said some mean words, uh, you know, in a way that someone else didn't deserve, don't blame that on your calling. Don't be like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm suffering all because of the calling. No, no, you made a dumb choice. And you are suffering and going through trouble, not because of the calling, but because you ignored your calling. Amen. Right? And so not all suffering is because of the calling. And, you know, in the same way, maybe you're here and it's not because of a dumb choice that you made, but maybe someone else made a dumb choice. Or maybe you are being abused in some kind of way. I don't want you to treat the sermon as the reason to say, oh, I should just kind of slide it under the carpet and just say it's part of my calling. If there is abuse or serious, ongoing, continual, dangerous injustice that's going on in your life today, you need to tell someone about it. Right? So don't get me wrong. Not all the trouble that we go through in life is all part of the calling, but much of it is. Much of it is. And the fact is this. Some of the trouble you face in life is going to be unnecessary, uncalled for, and avoidable, but that's because we live in a sinful world. But there's also some trouble that you will go through in life that maybe you're going through even just a little bit right now where it's just part of being a parent or it's part of being a student. It's part of being a Christian. And instead of complaining about it and blaming others for it and wondering why it's there, one of the best things you can do is simply say, it's part of the calling, and I'm just going to keep on going. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's part of the calling. It's part of the calling. I find that when I know it's part of the calling, all of a sudden I'm able to move forward in a way I, didn't, I, I wasn't able to before. When I know it's part of the calling, I'm able to persevere a lot better than I used to. When I know it's part of the calling, I've got more patience. When, I've got, when, when, when I know it's part of the calling, I've got more insight into the situation. So much changes when we realize that it's part of the calling, that part of your calling in life is to go through hardship. And so turn neighbor, give them a high five and say, it's part of the calling. Tell them that right now. Is this helpful in this place this morning? Amen? Amen? I feel like there's a lot of stuff you guys are not claiming today, all right? There's, there's still stuff coming on this, this truth conveyor belt that you can be claiming that you're not yet claiming. Don't be afraid to say amen before anyone else does. Okay? All right. So here's the, that's the first part of the calling. The, the first part of the calling we're talking about today is going through hardship. It's a part of the calling, whether we like it or not. You're going to go through trouble whether you're a Christian or not. You're going to be going through trouble whether you are serious about Jesus or not. You might as well go through trouble because it's part of your calling. 
Amen. Next one, second part of your calling, and we're going to end it with this one, is drop down to, that was just verse 1, guys. That was just verse 1. Verse 2, I'm kidding. Let's go to verse 14. Verse 14, and we're going to go back to verse 2. Go to verse 14 with me right now and read it with me in a big, loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. If you have your Bibles in front of you, would you underline these two words, grow up? Grow up. And would you turn to your neighbor and say, grow up? With a smile on your face, of course. And, and see, here's the thing, is the second part of the calling that God has given to you, and we're going to talk about it right now, is recognize that part of your calling is to grow up spiritually and to become more like Christ. That's the second part of your calling that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. See, you were not made to stay the same spiritually. You were made to grow. When you receive Jesus into your life, that is called being born again. You are a brand new baby. You are a spiritual infant in the kingdom of God. Congratulations. You are born again. But here's the thing. God didn't make you to stay that way. God made you to grow. Let me give you an example. My son Caleb right now is an infant. He is two months old right now. You can see that he's got a haircut or a hairstyle that is, not, is nothing like his dad's or his mom's right now. And it's kind of funny because we find that with every bath that he takes, his hairstyle changes. Not, not intentionally, just, it just kind of goes a certain way. And so when he was first born, he had this, what I call like the, the, the Chinese middle-aged businessman look, okay? Where it's, it's just it's like not a lot of hair on the top, but a lot of hair on the sides, right? Uh, make the most of the hair on the top. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, the, the second time uh, he took a, the first time he took a bath, it became like a very Beethoven kind of look, you know, very poofy. And then the third time he took a bath, it looked like this kind of like a punk rocker kind of look. Uh, and so we find that with every bath he takes, his hairstyle changes. But this is the thing. Every night, Caleb is in his room, and, and we, Charlene and I, we are changing his diapers. We are feeding Caleb. You know, Charlene, of course, does the lion's share of that work. She is amazing. I don't know how moms do it. Uh, just amazing. And I will, from time to time, uh, you know, help with the feeding, help with the burping, help with the changing, help with putting him down to sleep. And, and often, you know, as I'm doing especially after I heard those words, it's part of the calling. Nowadays, when I'm patting him down to sleep, I'm like, shh, shh. I'm a lot more patient now because I know it's part of the calling. Amen. And, 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 see, and see, here's the thing. It's, you know, and a ver- so, so patient to the point where sometimes I'll even put him down, put him down. I'll go back to Shar after maybe like a 30-minute session of trying to put him down and finally putting him down. I'll go to Shar. I'll put my arm around and go, oh, Caleb is so cute. He is so cute. And, and see, here's the thing. He is cute. He is cute. My, my, my son is cute. Amen. He is so cute. He's, he, of course, he's, he's my son. But, but here's, here's the thing. Here's what you got to know is this. It's cute right now that we get to feed him and change him and burp him. But if this was 20 years later, and he's Caleb at 20 years old, or he's Caleb at even 10 years old, or even 5 years old, let me tell you this. If we still at that point had to burp him and change him ourselves and spoon feed him, that is not cute anymore. That's not cute anymore. That, that is actually a little bit gross. Or, it's, or we're going to say, something is wrong. Or when I'm in a weird mood, the way I say it is, something wrong. Right? There's just something wrong. 
And, 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 and see, here's, here's the thing. In the same way, why do I mention that? Is that today I want to tell you that part of your calling is to grow up spiritually and become more like Christ. If you have been a Christian for 10, 20 years, but you still can't feed yourself, you still need others to feed you, otherwise you don't eat. Or you can't change your clothes spiritually. Or you live a self-centered lifestyle that's all about me, 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 wah! Or you, you lack love for your family and it's all about you. If the way you think, feel, and live is more like the world than it is like Jesus, then guess what? There is something wrong. There is something wrong. Amen. There is something wrong. Turn your neighbor and say, something wrong. There is something wrong. There's something wrong about that. See, let me tell you this. God did not send his son, his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be a spiritual baby for the rest of your life. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be forgiven of your sins, have a relationship with him, and grow up to become a little Jesus to others as well. That God can say, look at my son, and look at all his little brothers and sisters who are just like him too, who are growing more and more like my son, Jesus. You were made to step into a greater version of yourself this year, and that greater version is one that looks a lot more like Jesus with every year that you follow Jesus. Come on, give God a big hand in this place right now. Praise God. It's part of your calling. Part of your calling is to grow up and become more like Christ. And I find this, is the more you grow like Christ in your character, the more loving of a person you become to the people around you. The person you're married to, the person you're dating, the person that you call brother or sister, your classmates, your coworkers, you just become a more loving person. You become better at handling relationships. You become stronger at handling adversity. You become healthier in the way you look at yourself and you look at the world. You become more effective in what you do. Only good things happen when you become more like Jesus Christ. And see, how do you fulfill this part of your calling to grow up and become more like Jesus? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, there are two ways that we grow up spiritually and become more like Jesus. These two major ways are not the usual things you will hear when people talk about spiritual growth. So usually when people talk about spiritual growth and, oh, what do I need to do to grow in my relationship with God? You'll hear them say, oh, I need to read the Bible more. Or I need to pray more. Now, don't get me wrong. Reading your Bible, absolutely essential. Man cannot live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need the word of God. We, it, prayer is essential. It's about building that close communication with God. But guess what? In Ephesians chapter 4, when Paul tells his church two ways that they need to grow up and become more like Christ, he's not talking about reading your Bible or praying. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about two things that we want to talk about together right now. The first is this. Write this down. If you want to grow more like Christ, the first key is to learn to love your church family better. Wow. Wow. Look at verse 2 of Ephesians chapter 4. Can you read with me in a big, loud voice? 1, 2, 3, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Keep on going. It says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all 
and in all. See, what's going on? Paul, when he's talking about what you need to do, if you want to grow up spiritually and become more like Christ, the first thing he says is not read your Bible more or pray more. It's talking about love the people in your church better. Isn't that incredible? It's, it's because this is that there's a relationship between how much I grow in Christ vertically and how much I love people horizontally. That, that's the cross. The cross is not just one vertical beam between me and God. It's also a horizontal beam between me and other people. That's the cross. And, and see, if you want to grow up spiritually and become more like Jesus, it's not just, about, oh, I guess I got I to read my Bible more. Yes, you got to read your Bible more, but that's not all there is to it. It's not just about, I got to pray more. Yes, you got to pray more, but it's not just all that, that. It's not just about prayer. It's about learning to love the family that God placed you in. Is that you were born again into this new spiritual family, and part of growing up as a child in any home is learning to socialize in healthy ways with the people that you are living with. It's learning to have healthy relationships, and that is a huge part of being a Christian as well. In fact, I'll say it this way. The greatest measure of your spiritual maturity in Christ is not how much of the Bible you know. It's not how many years you've been to church. It's not how many songs you've memorized. It's in how you love. It's how you love God. It's how you love people. And that's why 1 John 4.20, it's not on your screen, but 1 John 4.20 says, anyone who says, I love God, but hates his brother is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Could it be that you're sitting here today, when you think about that really difficult person, that really difficult person in your life right now, who's so hard to love, could it be that God has placed that person in your life because he's teaching you to grow. That he's teaching you to become more like Jesus in the way you love others. To teach you patience, he puts you with people who are slow. People that you have to wait for a lot. Whether it's on the road, or it's in the grocery store, or it's home going, come on, are we ready yet? You know, to teach you gentleness, he puts you with people who annoy you and frustrate you a lot. To teach you to be more loving, he puts you with people who are just difficult to love. And see, why does he do that? Not to be cruel to you, because he is doing it because he wants to help you grow. He's growing you up to become more like Jesus. Remember this, how did Jesus love his church? Jesus gave his life for people who were the hardest to love. He gave his life for you and for me. He gave his life. He was completely humble and gentle, and he gave his life, and it was as an example for us to learn to love one another as well. When we were separated from God, when we were so difficult to love, so much so that our sins disqualified us from having anything to do with God, when we were that difficult to love, God said, I love you anyways, that I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on the cross for all of your mistakes and all of your sins, all those things that you did last night, I'm going to put it on Jesus. All those things that you said last night, I, Jesus is going to take that on himself, and he's going to die on the cross for your sins. He's going to pay the penalty for your sins. He's going to die, be buried, but on the third day, He's going to rise again to show that his love and his power is greater than all of your sins and all of your mistakes. That's the amazing love of God. Come on, give God a big shout in this place right now. Amen. Turn to neighbor and say, that's the love of God. That's the love of God for you. 
it wasn't all the great things that we did. It was how God loved us despite all the ways we were difficult to love. And likewise, if you want to grow more like Jesus, it's not just about reading your Bible and learning to pray. It's not just about listening to sermons and going to church, but it's about learning to love the way that Jesus loves. And that starts with your spiritual family. Let me ask you this question. How intentional are you about loving other people, especially people in your church family? How proactive are you about welcoming people who are new or reaching out to people who might feel a little bit left out? How serious are you about speaking encouraging words to those around you? How committed are you to a small group where you don't take your leaders for granted and go, oh, I'll see you uh, when I see you. I know there's a small group meeting this week and next week and the week after, but I won't see you for that, 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 but I'll see you maybe sometime later. You know, like how good are you at loving the people in your church family. See, all of us in our own ways have work to do in this area. For example, you know, recently in the past little while, I've had a chance to visit different small groups, and, and it's been fantastic. It's been so fun to do that, to see different small groups in action. Uh, just recently, there was, there was one small group that I dropped in on, and, um, and, and it, was just, uh, it, it, was, it was one of those things where I, I, I came in a little bit after everyone else. Everyone's already seated, and they're having discussion and all that stuff. And, uh, and I, I, I walk in, and uh, I guess I was kind of surprised because almost no one said hi. Almost no one said hi. And, um, and then I, 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 sta- I, I stand kind of by the wall because there aren't, like, it's, kinda, it's a full room, packed room. And I'm kind of standing against the wall. And uh, I think I kind of felt like a little bit, even though I'm the pastor, I felt kind of awkward just kind of grabbing my own chair because I didn't want to interrupt too much. So I was, was kind of hoping that maybe someone would maybe say, hey, do you want to grab a seat? But for the next five maybe seven, eight minutes, I'm just sitting there, standing there, and, and no one's offering me a seat. I'm like, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. Um, and and, and, and I, walk, I walked away, I actually left the room because I had to go somewhere else anyways, but I, I just thought it was like, huh. Like, and I, was try, I was trying to think, okay, maybe I should give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just, you know, just finished watching a video and maybe they're just kind of dazed from watching the video or maybe they're in very deep thought with their eyes open or, or, you know, or, or maybe it's something where you know, it's, it's the pastor so they're, they're kind of awkward about it. They don't really know if they should do anything or not. Uh, they, they're scared about saying something and so they just don't do anything at all. Have you ever done that before? You're kind of like, oh, I should do something but I'm a little bit awkward about it so I just don't do anything at all. And maybe it was one of those things. But can I tell you, I walked away from that situation thinking to myself, maybe we've got some work to do here at Thrive Church. Amen? Amen? Because I, I can tell you this. It's a, if, if, if it's my small group, if I'm in the small group. I don't have to be the leader of the small group. But it just, it's just be my small group. And it's not a formal teaching time like at service. Like if someone comes late, I don't expect everyone to raise their hand and go, hey, hi. But, but, but this is the thing. If it's an informal small group, it's a discussion. And, and people are seated around and it's an informal discussion. And someone new comes in or someone, so someone who hasn't been in the group that yet today has come in. I would probably raise my hand and go, hey, it's good to see you. Even if I don't know, if, even if I don't know hey, good, good to see you. Want to join us? Let's get a seat for you. Have a seat. Join us right now. That's what I think I would do. Whether that person is the pastor or not, even if that person's the first time they're at the church, that's what I would do because that's part of loving others. Amen? When we love people in little ways, it makes a big difference, especially in the church of God. If you believe us, say amen. Amen. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can we be more proactive in, in, in the, like seeing each other's needs, being sensitive to each other's needs, and, and loving one another in not just our church, but in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools? Let's go out of our way to love one another. Because when we are intentional about loving one another well, what happens? We grow and become more like Jesus Christ. It's part of your calling. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand here in this place together right now. Praise God. 
Turn your neighbor, give him a high five and say, I want to I love my church family better. Can you tell them that right now? I want to love my church family better. Amen. Amen. The second key to growing more like Christ is this. If you want to grow more like Christ, follow and be equipped by your spiritual leaders. Follow and be equipped by your spiritual leaders. Do we have time for this? Okay, we're going to try this real quick, all right? Verse 7. Verse 7 says, but to each one of us, but each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Keep on going and read with me. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And stop right there. Stop right there. Who is Paul talking about? He's talking about Jesus. In case you're wondering, and when, go, go back to verse 9 when it says, what, like, uh, when, when he says, uh, like, what, he, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? What is that talking about? See, scholars will actually differ on what that means. Some people think that that means that Jesus went to the grave. Some people think that Jesus went to hell after he died, before he came back up. Some people think that it's just simply a reference to the incarnation, how Jesus became, the word of God became flesh, the son of God became a human being, and that's what it's talking about in terms of descending to lower earthly regions. Regardless of what it means, the number one main point is he rose again. And he ascended to heaven, and there he is at the highest place in heaven, and there he is the name of every name, and the king above every king, the conqueror of death and sin. That is who Jesus is. Come on, give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place. It's just like the song we sing. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. Is that Jesus rose again. He didn't just come down, but he went up as well. And so in the same way, just a side note, is that you might be feeling like you're going down right now, but if Jesus is in you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is also in you, and you will rise again as well. Come on, give God a big hand here in this place right now. That's just a bonus point. That's not the main point. But see, look at this. Look at verse 11. It says, it was he who gave, read it with me, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors. And she stop right there. Stop right there. See, it was he. Who is he? It's Jesus. Okay, so the same king who died and rose again, it was he who gave some to be apostles. What are apostles? These are people who plant churches. Some to be prophets. Who are prophets? These are people who sense God's heart and communicate it to people. What, what is evangelists? Evangelists people who speak and lead others to Jesus Christ, living out loud. What does he do? Pastor or teacher? Pastor means to take care of God's flock. Teacher means to teach the word of God. And it says Jesus gave some to be all those things, those five offices, because, verse 12, it says, verse 12, to prepare, read it with me, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Amen. And see, what's that saying? Is that Jesus has placed people in these five leadership positions. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He puts them in those roles. Not so that people go, oh, how great you are. No, it's not about that. It's to prepare and to equip God's people so that together as a church family, we can grow into the full measure of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. It says this, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let me ask this question. Since God has placed leaders, spiritual leaders in your life, 
to help you grow into the full measure of Christ. Let me ask this question. How intentional are you about following the spiritual leaders in your life? How intentional are you about being equipped by the spiritual leaders in your life? How much do you take advantage of and use the resources, the opportunities that we make available to you here at Thrive Church? See, here at Thrive, we do our best and we work really hard to create opportunities for people to grow and to become more like Christ. And that's why we have things like small groups. That's why we have things like spiritual campaigns, like the game challenge. That's why we have, you know, fasting and prayer. That's why, we, that's why Pastor JB sends a daily game-sharing email. It's all to help you grow more like Christ. It's, that's why we've got prayer meetings. That's why we've got community service campaigns like GLV. That's why we put so much effort into trying to craft and present messages from the Word of God that connect with your real life to show you the power and the truth of God's Word. That's why we do all those things. And in fact, there's one more thing that we're going to do starting today. It's called TDS2. Everyone say TDS2. And, and, and that's one of the biggest things that we do to help you grow more like Jesus. It's because we know that growing like Christ is a part of your calling. It's a part of your calling. And we desperately want to see you grow up and become more like Jesus. And that's why we provide these different avenues for it. Are you taking advantage of it? Can I encourage you, make the most of every opportunity you have here at Thrive Church to grow more like Jesus. Use every campaign, use every email, use every activity, use every small group, use every one of those things to grow more like Jesus because it's there for you. It's part of your calling. Turn your neighbor and say, it's part of your calling. It's part of your calling. Praise God. Praise God. Well, I want you to end today by looking at verse 14. We looked at it before. Let's look at verse 14 to 16 together. By the way, if you're, if you're wanting to sign up for TDS2, it's not too late. You've got the registration forms on your, uh, on your, on your seats there. Uh, it's $30 to be a part of it. Partly it's to defray costs. Partly it's because when we take ownership of our faith, we grow a lot more. And part of that is in paying for what we are getting. Uh, and so we're going to encourage you to do that. But let's look at verse 14 together right now. Verse 14 says this. Can we read in the big loud voice? One, two, three, it says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Keep on going. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love at each part does its work. Really quickly, really quickly, I'm going to ask uh, Rachel to come up right now and to share a testimony that she shared at our prayer meeting this past Wednesday, because uh, uh, I think it's just really cool that she shared that testimony. We're talking about this today. Uh, could you give Rachel a really big hand? Why don't you go ahead? Hello, I'd like to share my testimony from the Fast and Pray experience this year, and I'd like to start with this verse. Even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. This was my third time participating in our Thrive Church Wife Fast. I knew what to expect. To be honest, I was not looking forward to what fasting would do to my body. I still remember from previous fasting experience how I would feel hungry, cold, weak, sleepy, even a little or more than a little grumpy and dizzy. However, the fast this time was different for me. It was important. I entered the fast with a clear and strong intention to find out what God's will was for my 
uh, for an important decision that I needed to make. I feel that my decision, my situation was complicated because I couldn't find a black and white formula in the Bible that would give me a clear, correct solution. I needed God. After consulting with my spiritual leaders and my sister in small group, I was ready to knock on God's door until he answered. During the fast, I tried my best to resist my cravings. I did my game time diligently. I prayed during the mealtime. I attended the prayer meetings. I sang my heart out during the worship with my voice and with my arms lifted high. Even when my arms got really sore, I still kept them high. I went to the front to be prayed for despite the sense of tiredness. I feel like I did everything I could to show God I was serious. Instead of giving me a yes or no answer, God showed me something else. Through his word, the songs, the sharings, the prayers, the quiet time, and the fellowship, he reminded me who he was. The creator, the beginning and the end, the almighty, my refuge, my shepherd, the one and only God. He reminded me it was not about what I did or what I, who I was, but what He has done for me. He helped me shift my eyes from my problem to what truly matter, Him. I feel elevated from the valley of despair and confusion. There was tremendous peace and contentment when I focused on Him. I realized His answer was for me to abide in Him first. This was later confirmed during the individual prayer time at Thrive Leadership Conference that followed a week later. After all, I was created to have a relationship with him, and he, my relationship with him is the source to all my other relationships. He loves me so much that there's no mountain or wall or lie he won't tear down to come after me. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I do not know where all this is leading to, but I will take one step of faith at a time, knowing that God will make everything beautiful in His time. Amen. Can we give Rachel a big hand together right now? Thanks, Rachel. Turn neighbor and say, it's part of your calling. See, I, I've got this hunch that when you take advantage of the things that we do here at Thrive, you will grow in your faith. Is that it's all there for you. It's just a question of, do you want to do it? And uh, I'm so glad Rachel did it. At first she was like, oh, do I want to fast? Do I really want to do it? I know it's my third time doing it with the church. Do I really want to do it? And she's so glad she did it. I'm so glad she did it. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. You're going to find this is that we can, and I've learned this over time, is that uh, as a pastor, as much as I want and so want people to grow in Christ, is that as leaders we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make it drink. We can do our very best to create an environment where you can experience God and create all these different avenues and channels and talk campaigns and opportunities for you to grow, but it's not going to make you listen. Only you can choose to do that. It's, it's, it's not going to make you grow. Only you can choose to do that. It's up to you to do your part. Verse 16 says, From him the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Could you underline those last words as each part does its work? There is work that you need to do as well. And I find this is that you may call Thrive Church your home church, but unless you are proactive in learning 
from and being equipped by your spiritual leaders, unless you take advantage of the things that are here at Thrive, you're not going to grow as a member of Thrive Church. You're not going to grow more like Christ. You're not going to fulfill that part of your calling. Could you imagine if you were not a part of a new church, but say you were part of a, a new gym, and you're really excited about that new gym, and you're like, oh man, you should come and check out my new gym. You know, each time I go, there's like hundreds of people at that gym. There's, there's, a, there's so many people that, that they've had to add a second room. And, 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 you know, and, and like there's just so much, you know, there's so much stuff going on. You should see our lead trainer. He, whenever, whenever he works out in front of us, he sweats so much. You know, he's so passionate when he works out in front of us. All the staff are always so welcome. They're, Hi, welcome to our gym. You know, they're like, oh, there's so many young, good-looking people. And that's really hard to find in gyms these days, right? And, and, and oh, there's so many classes. Oh, and, and you want, you could have all these great things going on at that gym that you're a part of. But if the only thing you do when you go to that gym is you stand outside and you chat with your friends, you're not going to get fitter. You're not going to get stronger. In the same way, you can call yourself a member of Thrive Church. And as awesome as God is and as awesome as God is doing things here at Thrive, if you're not allowing the spiritual leaders in this church you call home to train you to become more like Christ, guess what? You're not going to grow to everything that God made you to be. And so, can I tell you, let's not make any excuses in this new year, 2018, 2019. Not like, oh, I'm too old. I'm, old. I'm already 27 years old. Or, oh, I've got kids. Or, I'm so busy. While you're playing video games at like 1 a.m. in the morning. See, but, but like, see, remember this. Part of your calling is to grow up and become more like Christ. So let me just end with one final question for you today. What is one proactive step that you can take to let the spiritual leaders in your church equip you so you can become more like Christ? Maybe it's to join a small group. Maybe it's to read Pastor JB's game time sharing. Maybe it's to take TDS2 and register for it today. Maybe it's to just sit a little bit closer to the front. There's a little bit of space in the front still so that you cannot be so distracted by the people around you or what's going on behind you or your phone. See, this coming year, we were made to grow more like Jesus. It's part of your calling. And if you will learn to love the people in your church better, if you will you know, learn to be equipped by the people that God has placed in your church, you're going to step into a greater version of yourself this coming year, and you're going to be able to say greater things are yet to come. And not just that, we're going to be able to say as a church together that we are stepping into a greater version of Thrive Church, and that greater things are yet to come, all because it's part of our calling. It's part of our calling. I said it's part of our calling. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout. Stand up to your feet and let's give God some praise in this place. Come on, don't stop clapping. Give God a shout. Give God some praise. Worship Jesus in this place. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, it's part of my calling. 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 Praise God. Because it's part of our calling to grow like Jesus because it's part of our calling to be alive and to worship him. Let's worship him right now. I'm gonna ask the team to lead us in a song. You guys have been awesome this morning. Thank you for being proactive this morning. Thank you for loving the pastor well. Thank you for loving one another well. And thank you for loving yourself well. Hope you claimed a lot. Hope you named a lot of things for yourself to take home this morning. Was this helpful this morning? Praise God. Let's give God a big hand here in this place together right now. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and you're here today and you realize that you need him, then we want to give you an opportunity to receive him into your life. Receiving Jesus into your life is as simple as praying a prayer. Just saying, God, I want to welcome you to my life. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, that he rose again, 
If you believe that and you want to receive Jesus into your life, the Bible says you will be forgiven of your sins. You will be a child of God and a citizen of heaven. Is there anyone who needs to receive Jesus in their life today without worrying about what your neighbor's doing? Just between you and God, would you just raise your hand if that's you? If that's you, if you need Jesus Christ in your life today and you want to receive him into your life, why don't you just raise your hand high to heaven today? Just raise it high to heaven today. And we just pray this prayer with me and let's all pray this out loud in the support of those who are praying for the first time. You just say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose from the grave to give me new life. Today, I open up my heart. I receive you into my life. Please forgive me my sins and make me a new person inside. I thank you that because Jesus is in my life, I am a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven and the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you give God a big hand, big shout together right now, church? I said give Jesus Christ your praise right now, come on. Lastly, for those of you who are here today and you're going through a tough time, we want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you realize that it's really time to get proactive about growing your relationship with God, get serious about your calling with God. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand to heaven right now. And just, just right now, just take a few seconds just to talk to God right now from your heart, in your own words. Just start talking to God right now. Just, whether it's some sins you need to confess or there's some thank, things you need to thank Him for some stuff you're learning that you want to just repeat back to him. Just start talking to God right now. Don't worry about your name. Just start talking to God right now. 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 He loves you. He's listening. Just talk to him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for all the people here who are here in the sanctuary, who are watching online, who are in our A nursery, who are watching the sermon as well. We pray, Father God, for them. We thank you for the calling that is on their lives. We thank you that part of their calling is to grow, is to go through hardship, for it is through hardship that you make them stronger. It's through hardship that you show your power. It's through hardship that you're writing a greater story in their lives than anything they could write for themselves. Thank you, God, that part of their calling is also to grow more like you. Lord, would you help them to love their church better? Would you help them to love the people around them better? Lord, would you help them to follow their leaders that you've placed in their lives so that they can grow into all the measure of the fullness of Jesus because it's part of our calling. We thank you, God. Would you bless them today? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Give God a big hand together right now.